Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation. All the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of Cha Dao. This will be the focus of this podcast, developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine, Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, and let's drink some tea together. Hi, and welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. I am Janus. In this episode of Tea Wayfaring, I'm joined by longtime Global Tea Hut members from Los Angeles, California. Tracy and Stephen McCarthy own and operate Solar Return in Echo Park, California, a magical gift shop full of colorful raw vegan desserts, sustainably produced wooden toys, and other goodies. We talk about their experiences with running a responsible small business during a pandemic, creative problem solving, and the joys and challenges of maintaining a tea practice as a parent. Both Stephen and Tracy have also been featured in Global Tea Hut, Stephen in the January 2021 issue and Tracy in the February 2022 issue. I hope you have some nice tea in your bowl and the kettle on the boil as you listen. Here's my conversation with Stephen and Tracy. Hi, and uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Stephen and Tracy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? We're great. It's an honor to be here with you. It's, a, it's an honor to have you. Um, first of all, uh, please tell me and the viewers, where exactly are you coming in from? From our home in South Pasadena. Uh, it's a Cute little small town, just about 15 minutes from downtown Los Angeles. And uh, now usually I get my guests to kind of um, introduce themselves. So how would you describe yourselves in your own words? Um, who are you and what do you do? My name is Steven. Uh, I make Rainbow Rob Vegan Cheesecakes. Uh, this path began for me uh, back in 2014, when my wife Tracy told me to start making Rainbow Raw Vegan Cheesecakes. Um, we have a little shop called Solar Return in Echo Park. And from there, we share our creations uh, with our local community and some, some recordings uh, visually of those things get, uh, get shared with the universe via, via the internet. My name's Tracy, and uh, Stephen really said it so well. Um, I guess I'm a human rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Well, you're more of the passionate tea drinker of right. the two of us. You definitely a rainbow that drinks tea. Yes, that that would define me. That's that's me. I help curate. The rainbows at Solar Return and drink lots of tea. 
Does the rainbow end in the teacup or does the rainbow come out of the teacup? We don't know. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. An endless rainbow. I feel like there's a rainbow in each cup or each bowl. Yes, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Right when we opened the store, a guy came in and he said, I'm a reporter and I'm a writer and what's with all these rainbows? And I said, well, we're here because there's light that comes from the sun. And if you split that sunlight into its full spectrum of colors, you have the rainbow. So there could be really nothing more life affirming than bringing the rainbow into your life in whatever form you see fit, whether that's a wooden toy, or a cheesecake or a tie-dye t-shirt. So he was satisfied with that description. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, now, the reason why I wanted, wanted to have you on the podcast, or at least part of it, is because you have this really unique store um, that I have been following also on social media. And um, I've never had the pleasure of visiting because you opened it not a long time ago. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the, your store. Can you tell me what it is that you're selling in your store and, um, and your philosophy behind it? Well, the, the impetus was to have a little cake shop where I could sell my raw vegan cheesecakes. Um, but there was also Tracy's love of uh, color and pattern and uh, local artists making sustainable, beautiful objects that could enhance people's lives, whether that's parents giving an object to their children that isn't uh, super disposable or um, just having things that have either stood the test of time in terms of a, a vintage book that still speaks to modern life or something that can just enhance your experience, whether it's a really nice stick of incense or um, a thoughtfully created greeting card. So just, just a way to, to bring that spirit of celebration into every moment of your existence, whether it's a special occasion or just, just getting through another day. Yeah, I think since our store uh, is called Solar Return, which Solar Return is a celebration of your birthday, the idea, you know, of also Stephen creating these birthday cakes or, you know, someone can come in and make a box of desserts for a celebration. You know, it's not that wild of an idea to also offer, you know, gifts to go along with that moment in time. And so, yeah, it's really nice to, to pair both worlds, but also make it even more personalized where it's really objects that we personally love or artists that we connect with or know, or, you know, just being able to offer something that also intertwines with the cakes. It's really, it's beautiful to tell, tell more of a story, you know, to create an environment, yeah. 
So the people who end up in your store, are they mainly coming for the cakes or are they looking for gifts or are, are there a lot of walk-ins or how does it work? It's a mixture of both, you know, it's, it's a mixture of people that follow us on social media and it's their first time or return customers or just people on the street coming in that have no idea what our store is. And so it's, it's really exciting to, you know, have people have their own experience with the space and ask questions and be surprised. You know, a lot of times people come up to Steven, you know, to our dessert case and um, they're like, wow, what are these? Can you tell me more? And when, you know, I reveal or Steven reveals that they're raw vegan cheesecake and the colors are made from fruits and herbs and, you know, they're refined sugar free. And, you know, we kind of go through the, the list, you know, of, of what exactly it is that you're looking at. It's, it's like every time it's like, wow, you know, like a reaction that they were not expecting. And usually the other reaction can be, oh, they, they look so beautiful. I couldn't eat them. And I'm like, well, no, you should eat them. You know, they want to be enjoyed and experienced, you know? And so that's really rewarding and nice to, to see people excited as much as we are. Um, but also what's really cool about our desserts is that, um, they can stay, gr stay good for six months in the freezer. Wow. Mm. So, you know, when you think about sustainability and, you know, Steven can talk more about, you know, the food industry and food waste, you know, we, we really are not creating a lot of food waste at all. And that is also really reflects the offerings and objects that are on the shelves, you know, like a lot of the children's toys, whether they're felt or, you know, sustainable wood and, and so on, you know, just thinking about the global impact of like what you're sharing, vintage books, you know, and so on. Th those are all really conscious decisions that I'm making, that Steven's making. And so that is definitely also a mission of what we're sharing, you know, at our store. Mm -hmm. Can you actually talk a little more about uh, why or how this idea of uh, of making and and selling raw vegan cakes came about? Why raw vegan cheesecakes? Well, um, we were visiting a friend who had always made raw vegan cheesecakes, and it was her birthday, so I didn't want her to have to make her own birthday cake, and I had been working with food already for many years. So she gave me a recipe to work with. And um, at that time, I didn't really understand that it could be a canvas for me to express myself as an artist, or even that the possibility of having this full, really rich spectrum of color was there. Um, that just came about through making them and and so many aspects of the process of how I make them now have been just discoveries and so that's another thing that when we're describing what it is to people that they're looking at and are about to eat um, they ask well who taught you how to do this and I say well I learned how to make food in other people's kitchens, but no one taught me how to do this aside from someone saying, 
oh, I got this recipe here. You should check it out. Um, it's, it's really been um, having an idea and then sort of using the tools that exist to create processes that, that could, could bring this format into a bunch of different shapes and sizes and colors and flavors um, to satisfy my own curiosity. And then also clients will say, I want a cake that tastes like uh, banana cinnamon with some salted caramel thrown in. And I say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get to work and, and do my best. And then what results is something that becomes like a cornerstone flavor that I always have to offer because people come in for that specific uh, offering. So it's a really, it's a really satisfying dance between um, tradition, which you can't make food without some tradition because it would be foolish to try to reinvent the wheel every time you um, make someone uh, something to eat. Um, but then really inspiring innovation where I just feel like I'm, I'm watching it happen more than being king ego at the center of, of the, the, uh, the ship. Hmm. Now, your cakes are also very colorful and usually feature really awesome designs. Um, if you're right now listening to this podcast and you have no idea what we're talking about, then uh, Stephen's cake was actually a cover photo for the uh, January 2021 issue of Global Tea Hut. So you can go and check that one out if you want to see a picture of this. But uh, my question to you, Stephen, is um, how do you come up with these designs? And are people asking for certain things? Or like I've seen you make like a Grateful Dead logo one and, you know, the one that you made for the cover featured Bodhidharma. And, you know, there's all sorts of like really like rad designs. Do you come up with these or do people ask you to make them? It's a combination. Um, when I started, it was all very much improvised. I, I refused to plan things out. And so I would just say, ask for a flavor and then ask for a photograph of the person that I was making the cake for. And it was a very slow meditative space that I would enter before making each design on each cake. And that mandala that came out was just a reflection of what I thought that person was embodying or would like to embody. I didn't have much information about the person other than a picture. So um, that was how it began. But then people started saying, hey, can you make me a steely? And that was really my first jump from that pure mandala practice to representation. And, and once I started doing those, um, there were a lot more specific requests. Um, and then it became having the shop, it was more like I would 
create a cape for the case for someone to just come in and possibly be inspired to buy. So during Aquarius season, I would make a cape with an Aquarius symbol or um, if it were autumn, I might do an autumn inspired kind of sunset happening. Um, but it's, it's really fun to have a combination of people with really specific requests and then people who say, you know what, I like everything you do, surprise me. Um, I just made a cake on Sunday that really um, surprised me, which was so fun. Um, because when someone says, make something psychedelic, well, that could be anything, you know? So... Um, what did you make? That was uh, sort of a traditional mandala format that then these yellow orbs formed themselves on and I thought well these yellow orbs look a lot like the smiley faces that I've been working with on the ice cream pops so I started doing smiley faces and then they needed to have three eyes instead of the traditional two so yeah it's a very organic process of uh both being directed and being inspired. And um, I've been really fortunate to be able to streamline the process from the early days when I would have one cake to make a night. Now I'll have a wide variety of different little tiny cakes and medium-sized cakes and one big cake for a wedding. And, one sort of medium-sized cake for a birthday, I might need to do all those in one night, but I'm still able to find that stillness when it's needed to, um, to get inspired to make that, those designs that you're so kindly appreciative of. Hmm. And, and where do you draw your inspiration from? Is, are there artists out there? Or I understand you're also a musician. Is, is music something that inspires you or...? Definitely. Um, our friend Carlos Nino uh, started just sort of opening a channel of his amazing new age music to us right at the beginning of when I started making cakes. But also podcasts, or not podcasts. Um... I listen to a lot of teachers through the Insight Timer app. Hmm. Um, and I read a lot of uh, Buddhist literature and Global Tea Hut is a really cool magazine that everyone should check out. <laughs> uh, but artists, um, I, I think uh, there's, there's certain forms that repeat themselves on the cakes that no one has told me what to do with. Um, but then like a certain boldness of line or uh, 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 I'll push a contrast a little further than usual. I might've just looked at a new piece of graffiti driving on the highway to the shop in the wee hours of the morning. And uh, although I can see that that's a very different context than what I'm doing, um, yeah, there's so much that feeds into it. So 
um, it's, it's really tough to put my finger on where the inspiration comes from. Hmm. So you opened the store right before the pandemic hit, right? Um, what was the, what has the experience been like, um, starting a, a small business and then keeping it going during these, uh, strange times? Yeah. I mean, to backtrack a little bit, you know, uh, the moment that I became pregnant was really the moment we decided to take the leap of faith, you know, in, in opening our own store, you know, I don't know if it was Dylan's spirit kind of guiding that force of stepping beyond the fear. Um, but it definitely, it was like birthing two at once, you know? And so they were both happening at the same time. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful we had at least one year pre-pandemic, you know, to, to kind of experience what that was like to have a normal opening, to have, to, to have something to compare to, I think is a blessing, you know, um, but during these past few years now, um, it's, it's been really humbling and, and beautiful to see people show up for us, strangers, people we don't know at all. And they really want to support, you know, they want to support our, our vision of what we're offering and, and they really appreciate the magic, you know, that, that, that we're creating. So. And I think people that we aren't personally connected to already, um, I still have the experience every day, almost today. I looked up a cake supply shop that I, visited many times and it's gone you know I think people had had that experience with many of their favorite businesses where they were just unlucky um, maybe uh, an online retailer was able to undercut them or people just weren't leaving their house or you know um, through no fault of their own um, they 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 have been forced to disappear. And so I think when people see cool things vanishing, they're more motivated to really go out and make a point of, hey, I might, I might only be here once this year and I don't know if I'm gonna make it back again next year. So I'm gonna be as supportive as I can on this one visit or, um, Life is crazy, so even though it's just me and my three family members celebrating, we're going to get a huge cake and um, a bunch of treats just to like make this moment so special. Yeah, I think people want to support small business. You know, I, I think that, I mean, I know I do, you know, and so I think supporting small business is big and it's, it's just... I, I truly feel like Stephen and I are meant to be sharing what we're sharing. Everything has lined up in such a way that I don't question it and I don't worry. I don't, you know, it doesn't, we try not, I mean, during this time, it's very easy 
to succumb to fear and to let it keep you up at night. But there's also this great opportunity to, to trust and have faith and stay authentic in sharing what you truly want to share. And in that, I feel like every day is such a blessing to, to be able to wake up. And there's so many times where Stephen will come home for lunch and I'm like, we get to do this together. We get to share this rainbow vision, this rainbow dream. And, and we don't know how long it's going to last hopefully forever, but forever doesn't, you know, exist. But for now we're just in, in this present moment and just enjoying, enjoying it now. That's all we can do is, you know, be here, be here now. Yeah. As they say. When the pandemic news first hit, uh, my first feeling was almost relief because for the first 18 months that we were open, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, if we fail, it'll be all my fault. And uh, <laughs> well, now um, we can just blame the pandemic if we fail. Um, so can kind of just relax and be ourselves and just keep doing what we do. And um, the pressure's off, <laughs> but that didn't last very long. Um, new pressures came in to take their place. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been so amazing to, to see that, that, that there's a place for us, even regardless of what the news may tell you. Um, there's so much about what we're doing that, that to the gatekeepers of finance and business models and loans and all that sort of stuff there's no reason why we should have been able to get this far but um that's why it it strengthens our faith that there there's nothing else that we could possibly be doing because <laughs> and we started this with you know our credit union believing in us and giving us a loan i mean really you know it's like we put everything we had into, into this, you know, and we so. wouldn't have had a relationship with our lender like that. If it hadn't been for Occupy Wall Street telling us to <laughs> divest from our big banks. So yeah, all these little butterflies are flapping their wings and, and, and pushing, pushing buttons and um, a thousand flowers bloom a thousand schools of thought content. Mm. Yeah, I feel like starting a small business in any sort of financial climate seems like a leap of faith to me. And just, uh, you know, doing it all on your own or, or with a partner like you did. Uh, can you also talk a little bit about how your process of uh, how it all got started and like from like when you had the idea? Did, did you have the idea? Did you have a vision? Um, like a fully intact vision of like what it is now or, or did it, what was the progression like? Did it change a lot during the, the opening and, and uh, did you have to find your, your way around like what it is, what it is exactly that you want to do and how it manifests or was it pretty, pretty clear uh, from the start? 
Well, the great thing about doing this with a partner is um, whenever people come in and say, oh, wow, your cakes are so cool. Oh, wow, the shop is so cool. You're amazing. I say, no, no. All I do is listen to my wife, Tracy. It was her vision the entire time. And I love having assignments. I love um, being steered um, by, by the right person, of course. Um, but then, you know, when people come in and say to Tracy, wow, the shop is so cool. She says, yeah, look, my husband, Stephen, makes all these cakes. So we each have kind of uh, an, uh, an escape hatch when it comes to taking too much credit for it. Um, that really works out. Was there another part to that question? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that idea of like having an escape hatch um, if somebody gives you too much credit. Uh, but yeah, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea and, and what was the initial idea like? Did you envision the the way that you would be working in this sort of scenario and doing these things or was it a little different in the beginning? Yes, when we were, when we were doing our due diligence to get our business loan. Um, I looked at how many cakes I was selling people per week on the side from my normal chef work um, that I was able to just make when I wasn't working my day job. And we looked at the number of dresses that Tracy was able to sell from her um, online clothing business. And we thought, okay, if we're able to just sell this many cakes and this many dresses. We'll be able to pay this much rent and this many insurance and whatever. But of course, that was completely different once we opened. People weren't buying three giant cakes a day. They were buying a few little cakes. Or when, when we opened, I filled our display case with like five massive cakes because you know, as someone who follows what we do online, you would probably think that's the only thing people want to buy too. Um, but yeah, very, very different. And, and we started producing our own t-shirts uh, on organic cotton and hemp um, that featured the cake designs and just different ways to, to get the get the, the point across and in, into people's lives in, in the way that they want to have it there. Um, had, had nothing to do with our initial plan or vision at all. And other folks who've come in who are more experienced in business and stuff have said the, the only thing you can do to learn is be out there listening to the customers because um, without that feedback, you're not going to know what they, what they need. And we, we know, you know, based on that feedback, the next steps that we, you know, should work towards, you know, one of, you know, one of many is, getting our online shop going, creating a book, maybe offering some online classes where people can tune in and learn how to make their own, you know, solar return raw vegan cheesecake. Uh, yeah, many, many, many things um, to 
to explore, but it, it's kind of baby steps. We're a little snail speed, you know, just because it's just us and being a parent as well, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like whenever you hit a roadblock, um, you solved it like by creatively kind of um, going around it or over it or under it and, and found your way to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It never really feels like a block. It's more like uh, thinking that you were on a road and then that road actually becomes made of something very different than pavement. <laughs> uh, so instead of using your truck to go down that road, you've got to take out all your supplies and wade on foot uh, through this water that has presented itself. Kind of just taking your metaphor, um, twisting it into how, how the feeling is um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool um yeah and, and you guys are parents also um of a young uh, tea lover uh, as i understand called dylan um uh, this obviously of course brings its own challenges but i imagine rewards as well um what is it like to be a small business owner and a parent at the same time I couldn't imagine it any different, you know? I think that Dylan really grounds us and gives our business and our lives a whole other level of, of meaning and perspective and inspiration and, you know, uh, yeah. He, I, I, I say that just because, you know, when I got pregnant was really the, the start of solar return. And so I feel like he plays such a huge role in, in our store. And so, you know, he's at the shop on Saturdays with us and he loves telling the customers what his favorite flavors are. And that's really fun to, to see the interactions. Um, and it feels like a second home probably for him at this point. He, loves, you know, uh, kind of mirroring Stephen in his kitchen work, you know, he'll ask for a blender and his own kitchen tools to kind of stir and create his own, maybe make-believe cake mix, you know, and, mm -hmm. and he's obviously manifested a, a really magical life because he gets to eat endless ice cream. He has access to, magical toys <laughs> uh, you know so it's it's pretty fun to see you you know what he's experiencing through mm -hmm. the lens of the solar return yeah and and for a child to be able to go to the place where their parents work um any of my previous workplaces were not a place for children you know um, it would be dangerous in a professional kitchen uh, like the ones I'd worked in before for a kid to be toddling around and playing with their toys. But because what we do is intimate, not having extra 
employees around. Um, or fire. You're not working with heat. Right. There's, you know. yeah, I have no need of all the noisy ventilation. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that, that he can, he can just come and, and see what we do and see how it's all happening. Um, I think that's really useful. When I would go to my dad's office building, it was so abstract. Like what, what is he doing at that glowing screen and why is it so important? <laughs> <laughs> as, as we became aware of, of the value that society placed on that kind of um, executive work, my brother and I were like, what is, <laughs> how does he, why would you get paid so much money to, to do that? And um, with what we do, it's very tangible. It's very direct. Um, I made this cake and this person pays for it and they go home and happy yum yums. <laughs> right. Yeah, it sounds like a really uh, awesome childhood for a kid. And uh, he also loves tea. It, he does. And, you know, uh, I think we joke that he's a tea pickle because throughout most of my pregnancy, I drank tea, you know, uh, so he he's he's been receiving tea since the very beginning. And it's it's been a joy to have him witness and always be included in, in tea. And obviously, as a parent, tea transforms you know the ceremony of it is is very different you know like i'm having tea right now this is the same tea i had earlier today you know often you can start out having tea but you might have to leave the tea table but you can always return and and that's been really nice actually uh because prior to dylan you know i'd have tea put everything away you know and i would really be wanting to achieve that moment of silence and and everything in its place and, and this is the perfect moment and all of that gets kind of uh you know that illusion gets what's the word well i just give you so much credit as uh as a person for never uh never sacrificing that regardless of how disruptive the presence of a tiny human can be you've always insisted that tea be there and so even if dylan might not um always uh he might want to throw a ball around or you know do some other little kid thing mama's there having tea and so um that that space is something that he feels welcome in and that he can participate in, but it's also like always going to be there. I think a lot of um, young parents to young children can just feel so bogged down by the different demands and responsibilities that, that are huge. And um, it can feel like there's not enough time in the day to have tea or there'd be no way to, to ever have tea when you've got all this laundry to fold or something like that. But yeah, I just insist that it has a place in your life. And Tracy has always done that. Um, then 
that tiny human figures out that, that there's nothing they can do uh, to, to, to take the place of it. So they might as well just come and enjoy and share. And, and through that openness, he also has, you know, deep respect for, for, you know, all the objects, you know, because I let him, I've been letting him hold them since the beginning, you know? And so he understands like, this is a bowl. This isn't something I'm just going to like toss around and, and, you know, not, not pay attention to today. We had such a beautiful sit. He, sat on my lap and, you know, I poured the water into the teapot and he served, you know, the tea into the bowl and we would just hold each other in between, you know, I would drink most of the tea and then he would drink the rest. And so it was just really nice to have that moment. And in that moment, I was like, this, this is everything. This is, this is it you know, and everything just kind of melts. I felt like I was melting. We were melting and we were silent the whole time um, listening to music. But I, I could tell even though he's four and a half, you know, he was also really together, really absorbing that, that specialness. And, and he, he knows his teas. He knows a red tea from a show. He, he's always known. And it's so funny. He like barely ever lets me serve bowl tea he's always like gong fu since the beginning i'm like who are you why do we have to do gong fu every single time <laughs> um but he really insists you know and and he loves watching uh you know wuda and and the tea courses and i think you know even if he's playing and he's kind of watching he's absorbing it you know yeah. he's listening he's he's paying attention mm. Why do you think he likes Kung Fu tea so much? Old soul. I don't know. I, you know, it's, I, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the teapot is smaller. It could be that he, he's attracted to the size of it, but um, I don't know. It's just always since the beginning, he's, he looks at everything in the tea cabinet and any, every morning, you know, on our weekends, I'm like, what, what should we do? You know, he'll be like, Uncle. And I'm like, really? Okay. Uh, which tea? You know, he'll be like, oolong. For the longest time, it was like oolong. And I'm not someone that gravitates towards oolong. So it was really interesting. It was really challenging me to explore teas that I didn't want to explore. I thought that was beautiful. I was like, wow, you are my teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So did you want Dylan to like tea and intentionally guided him towards it? Or did he choose to uh, like the tea sets, sits himself? I think it's definitely uh, a choice that he has made. Um, I think because tea has been such a huge part of, you know, from when I was pregnant, to, to drinking tea, to, you know, when he was first born, we would hold him at the tea table, um, then graduating to, I would be nursing him and serving myself tea. And then, you know, as he transitioned into toddler, you know, he would take nap. And then during nap time, I would be drinking tea and 
when he would wake up, he would join me at the tea table and have a little bit of tea. And so now where we're at is I will be at the tea table drinking tea and he will be next to me on the couch watching the Muppets and maybe when his movie's over or, you know, when he decides to leave that moment, he'll come and join me, you know, and have tea. So it's always here and it's, it's always around. And I, I think in that not forcing it, but it, that it's just here. And he also really enjoys how it tastes. You know, I think he finds the, he, he loves the peace and tranquility as much as we do. Well, in the same way you described him having his own blender and kitchen tools, uh, he wants to do what we're doing. So since mom is having tea, he wants to do tea too. And it's not just to be like you, he really does love it. But I think that mirroring is probably how it started. But I, I like thinking about him coming out sleepy eyed from the nap and you're always, you would always be here having tea. It's, it's like tea was another parent on the scene. Um, and I, I remember hearing uh, another teacher uh, describe his children observing him do his meditations and they weren't sure why they worked the way they did, but they knew that after he did his meditations, he was a lot nicer. So it got to the point where they would say, hey, go sit on your on your cushion um, and meditate because that's going to uh, help our situation a lot. You know, I think the presence of tea uh, in Dylan's life is positive from so many different angles. So he he just naturally celebrates it being here. I want to share this thought because it's a thought that that came to me today in in the tender moment that I shared with him, which was he finished watching his Muppet movie and it was the perfect moment that the kettle had just been placed down and it was time to have tea and he joined me and I would pour the water into the teapot and he would pour the tea into the tea bowl and we have this really beautiful flow and he is just this maybe is the second time he's really decided to, to pick up you know the teapot and gently pour the tea in and we sat in silence and just held each other in between each bowl and I don't know if this is a morbid thought but I had this moment where I was thinking if I was to leave planet earth tea will be this connection that we can share forever together and in that felt really beautiful mm. yes a lot of other things like that yeah it, and taking that that time to pause is is also rare in our modern life and i'm sure that's what you know uh what tea is meant for many a connection between those that have that are here and you know spirit 
connect keeps us together connected yeah yeah definitely um how would you say your view of tea or tea ceremony or your personal tea practice has changed since becoming parents my tea practice has changed a lot i think the way i viewed my personal practice was centered around controlling like the perfect moments having the house perfectly clean uh knowing that i chose the right moments where i wouldn't be disturbed it would be quiet and and feeling that the only way to connect with tea was through this moment that i had created but i find that i go deeper now when i let go it's okay if the house is a mess it's okay if there's all different sounds happening at the same time or if i have to get up many times from the tea table to get snacks or assist in the bathroom or answer questions in, in between those moments i find that i go really deep and that's really interesting i think in that really shows you that as long as you're willing to show up for yourself and and show up for your practice some of the illusions that we create for ourselves they're they're self-made Hmm. Well, and by releasing the idea of doing things right or everything being perfect, that you were able to connect to something deeper than, wow, isn't this just so right and so perfect? And I've got the water temperature just how it should be instead of instead of everything being under your control, you accept uh, the chaos of the world as a part of all those ingredients. Dylan is the chaos of the world. <laughs> you had shared a really interesting quote about uh, a teacher, a train, do you remember? Oh, it was just something that I just happened across. Um, I don't know anything about this guy. Uh, his whole, he just came out with a book called Think Like a Monk. Um, and he seems to be bringing that to a very pop place, like going on The Daily Show and stuff like that, which is great. Um, but he said in his monk training, he was on a train going from Northern India to Southern India and he would get off the train to do his meditations in, in peace and silence. And his teacher said, why did you get off the train to do your meditations? And he said, oh, on the train, it's so noisy and chaotic. The teacher said, is the world noisy and chaotic? He said, yeah. And he said, well, then the train is where you need to do your meditations. <laughs> wow, yeah, I love that. So. Dylan is the train. Dylan is our train. <laughs> yeah. But then the train can can open you up to greater beauty and 
connection. And sometimes the train can chill out after a few bowls of tea. The train definitely chills out after a few bowls of tea. Yeah. <clears throat> That's uh... and that that uh, I find I connect to that in my uh, practice as a solo cake creator at Solar Return, where um, I may spend three or four hours getting to a place where I can finally make those designs that uh, that you asked about um, and that's a very special time for me. And I really appreciate it so much more when I have taken all the time to get there. And then uh, once, once that time is done, I, I have to dive straight into the mountain of uh, dirty dishes and use tools that then need to be, you know, it's, it's, it, it really is my chop wood carry water uh kind of situation um i'm i'm grateful to to have this uh opportunity for however long it lasts it's starting to feel a little unsustainable two years in um because you know uh energy is finite especially as you uh get older <laughs> <laughs> yeah um what would you say is a is the biggest challenge for you personally as a parent now in terms of um, upholding your your practice whether it be tea or making raw cakes or whatever you're passionate about and whatever is your practice i i don't see challenge honestly i i i think because from day one, I've said yes to including him. It just, it just happens. You know, I, I'll wake up, we have tea. I would say one thing that I would love to do more of that, yes, is a challenge is finding time to meditate because by the time Dylan goes to sleep at night, I am sleepy, not really in the, the space to, to sit and empty. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to empty more. I feel very full during these times I'm full. And so that is also something that has changed in my tea practice. Uh, even though I can go deep, I'm still full of thoughts and I could spend the session or time throughout the day at the tea table, just emptying. Hmm. So meditation is definitely something that I would love to incorporate more of. And I know that I will get to that place, just not right now. I, I think that at his age, it, it uh, requires attention, more attention to, to certain details. And so you find the meditation in other ways, maybe going for a walk with him, you know, that becomes the meditation or making cake. <laughs> yeah, I think the greatest challenge is overcoming thoughts because it's only 
when I think too much about all that there is to do or why aren't we in a different level of achievement or why, you know, why, 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 what, 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 if, if, whenever we stop thinking, we're just filled with so much gratitude that we're able to do this and share this and um, every moment is beautiful, but it's the, it's the thoughts that. uh, And surprisingly being a parent, the feeling of being a parent actually really takes your mind off of the chaos of the world because you're in service to this little being. There's, there's not time to spiral out. You have to be present. So mm-hmm. in that alone, I am so grateful to be a parent. So that definitely is amazing. So, yeah. In the first days of the first shutdown, I was jealous of my single childless friends who were saying, I've learned to speak French and I'm practicing my calligraphy. And uh, I finally got to finish all those books I wanted to read. And I think next week I'll, I'll watch all those French new wave uh, films that I enjoyed when I was in art school. And I thought, man, I have about 30 seconds between uh, putting him to bed. And when my own head hits the pillow to, to myself, um, but then as time wore on, uh, I was grateful to not have the opportunity to, like Tracy said, get lost in too many thoughts because there are myriad streams um, that are being presented to us that, that almost uh, are presented as like our responsibilities. Like we need to think about all these things when it's like, I need to remind myself all the time, no one requires that their raw vegan cheesecake maker is abreast of current events or politics or anything like that. They just need him to feel good and happy. So do whatever um, you can to feel um, positive because when they're celebrating with their special cake, they don't wanna see any of those weird vibes (laughs) that are always, um, filtering through and the unified field. Being a parent is, is grounding. That's my statement. <laughs> yeah. And what is essential? What, what is essential from each day? You've got to eat, you've got to play, you've got to hopefully learn something. Um, so that's kind of life. <laughs> Mm. Gotta poop. Yes, let's. We could talk about poop, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of play. That's true. That's part of play. It's part of learning something. <laughs> <laughs> so, being a p- parent uh, kind of distills the essence of life down to, you know, the essentials, right? And if you take care of those well and you're able to be present and still maintain, you know, optimism and, 
and still play and stay young in your spirit um that's all um that's really required right and and you know life is our practice what better place to do your spiritual work and and your um practice yeah than than life yes yes and you would be amazed at the uh tidal waves of unbridled emotion that can come from the tiny humans that that suddenly you you have to contend with they've come from nowhere and all your problem solving um has to be called to the fore to to try to uh um defuse these uh these conflicts for sure <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that uh dylan really loves oolong but uh what's in your bowl what are you drinking now because i see you're drinking tea but also um what are some of your favorite teas or categories of of teas that you uh like or have been liking recently i'm drinking samati from global tea huts uh during these times or slash just in general i really enjoy shows so when i sit and have tea i'm also thinking about which tea is speaking to me the most depending on what i'm needing to communicate with uh so a lot of shows for right now uh more so than my red teas and oolongs but also it's still winter here even though we live in southern california it's still it's still pretty chilly so i'm sure that'll shift but in general if i'm not feeling grounded tasting the essence of the earth is such a gift and so i think that the pores really speak to my spirit in that way hmm. was show the first tea that you kind of were introduced to um with this practice or how did you actually start your tea practice i think red teas were more of the teas i had at first uh my yes on moon lake my tea practice began tea was around me but i wasn't quite ready for tea when it was presented because at the time i was not drinking coffee and i think that i just didn't know i i think i was scared of what caffeine is and and is tea caffeine and how will i feel and so even though it was around me i really wasn't ready until i sat with a dear friend and then uh sitting with Aylin and having tea uh really shifted my perspective and the moment i had tea it really spoke to me on a soul level i knew the moment i had it that it wasn't just a beverage that it wasn't it was everything i had been looking for in a teacher and so i quickly 
got leaves in a bowl and be, and began the journey. And then later started to assist and become a water bearer and learn through observation and sit at home every day. And he, as we know, is so patient and she really helped me move mountains, moved a, a lot of just life stuff. It's, it's, I'm sure for, for most people, it's hard to, to explain the relationship because words just kind of dull it down. It's so, it's so beyond words. It's, it's a plant. The plants, it's beyond teacher. It's, it's holy. It's, it's divine. It's, it's everything. It's, mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. Mm, yes, definitely. I drink tea every day. So <laughs> I feel the same way that sometimes, you know, not even sometimes, but most of the time, uh, words fall short. Uh, of you know how to describe tea or or the benefits or um, you know what it means to what it means to uh, have this practice and and live the life of tea. But uh, this is also one of the reasons why I want to explore these themes in this um, podcast uh, that we call Life of Tea. Um, yeah. Are there any uh, specific like lessons that you feel like you would like to share some some tea les- lessons that come to mind or uh you know i i don't want to get too woo woo as they say with with the language of tea because it's it's hard to explain but definitely in the beginning i felt as though i was receiving very clear messages or downloads. It could just be that I created a space for myself, showing up for myself and allowing a a level of silence to, to enter the scene when I didn't have a meditation practice at all. So uh, the first several months of drinking tea, I would just cry for hours and just cry and it's such a personal journey uh but th- through through that and you you get to the other side with yourself so tea is life lessons it's it's she's there i think i think the main thing right now lesson wise is when I sit down to have tea, can I show up for the tea or am I going to let my mind run the show, run the experience, run the ceremony? And that to me is actually very frustrating for me right now. It, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with being a parent. Even when I have tea, when Dylan's at school, really being present in the moment of drinking the tea (laughs) that that can be challenging so that's a life lesson that's a lesson right now just yeah absolutely 
Yeah, and that's I feel like that's fertile ground for you know exploring and uh, learning to. There's like lessons in that um, what you describe as well, and I know the feeling very well because I also have a very busy mind and sitting down and, and feeling that I want to honor this occasion, I want to honor this tea. Um, I still st- struggle sometimes to find that stillness in me while I drink tea. Mm. Um, you know, lucky for us, tea usually helps to ground us and and helps to uh, find that meditative space. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Like um, having that intention to show up for tea um, is, is a good one. Um, I really like that. I also think about the time and the energy that went in to bringing this tea to my tea table, mm, you know? Sure. So lately, especially when I'm drinking a show, I, I'm really appreciating the age, the time, the efforts. And so sometimes I can have a hesitation. Oh, maybe I shouldn't drink that tea because it's, it's a really special one, but I'm also, I think these times also kind of maybe have you have a better understanding that right now is, is the time to drink that tea. And it's not about waiting to have that special moment right now is a special moment, but show up for that moment, show up for that bowl of tea, put the list of things that needs to happen aside. So, you know, so you can have, you can have that special time hmm. and, and, and to empty. Um, if I could interject a little bit, um, what you were saying about downloads coming, uh, I think the message can only come through when you have the true silence, not just sitting in auditory silence, but having your mind quiet, but then also thinking about Dylan's world being full of noise and activity um, almost by having that extra non-silence, you're able to connect to a greater mental silence because there's something, there's something in having that extra layer to overcome that, that then you drop in even deeper and the messages that need to come through to you from the universe or spirit um, can. Uh, Whereas if your environment were this total stillness, then that would just be the perfect stage for your mind to come out and say, here I am, this is what I've been thinking. Don't think about tea. Um, And with your thinking about all the energy that went into the tea, I was just thinking about um, when I go to the farmer's market and purchase these flats of strawberries and thinking about, you know, going to the farmer's market and talking to the farmer about how maybe eight months before that fruit comes to, to my kitchen, he planted those seeds and then countless other people picked each berry with their fingers and put them in the boxes and then 
they came to me so that I could slice off the stems and blend them up and strain off the seeds so that then this magical flavor rich substance would be a part of a cake. Let's just blend it all together, the tea and the cake and the silence and the appreciation and the nature. We can do it. Beautiful. Um, okay, so before we wrap up, um, just a couple of uh, quick questions for you. Um, do you guys listen to music while you drink tea or usually in, in silence? You do? I yeah, I listen to music and music is a guiding force for sure in the tea session. Um, during 2020, I have really gotten deeply into cassettes and it's incredible how much amazing uh, ambient music is out there. And so we, Stephen and I together have really collected some epic tapes to listen to and I'm happy to take pictures or create a, you know, a list of artists that, that we're really enjoying. But analog has been really nice to, to have as part of the tea ceremony, even if it means getting up to flip the tape. <laughs> it's nice. For the album. Yeah, the album. Yeah, wow. Any uh, recommendations, any albums that you um, would recommend for tea? Uh, I, there's so there's so many. I, I feel like I would would need to dig through them all because in my mind it's it's a lot of album names versus artists sometimes uh, Paul Horn from inside the Great Pyramid there you go that's true that's one I've been listening to on repeat um Stephen Halpern always always good times with Stephen um yeah uh, I put on Spectrum Suite on my way home tonight um Yasos. Yasos. Uh has created several like album length tracks. Um Georgia Kelly, Constant Dumby. Uh there's there, yeah, there's there's many that uh many to explore. Mm, well, cool. I will put some of these uh, names down in the description of this episode. So if you're interested but couldn't quite make out the artist, then uh, look in the description of this uh, episode. Uh, okay, what are you guys reading? Any uh, books that you would recommend uh, at the moment? Uh, Red Pines, uh, Zen Roots is something I just read over and over again. Um, there's several translations in there that I've never even heard of before, and they're so revelatory. Um, I've, I've been getting really into uh, the, the Tibetan Buddhist figure. Uh, she goes by a few different names. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce them because I only read them, but uh, her name is Yeshes Mcho Ergyal, 
um, or another name for her is Yeshe Sogyal. Um, she was um, born, I think, in the six to seven hundred year range in Tibet, um, but was a uh, uh, embodiment of uh, an Indian goddess and was the consort of Padmasambhava. And I just was drawn to her because there are so many male voices and personalities in Buddhism and just reading her story, which um, has come to us, I've just been really going so deep into Tibetan Buddhism and I'm fascinated by this idea that um, a lot of these teachings have actually been written and then sealed in these protective coatings and hidden in special parts of the world to then be revealed to modern practitioners because they would only be useful to us at this time. Um, really, really just spine tingling inspiration from, from those sources. Mm. Now for the people who are interested in exploring more raw vegan desserts, um, do you have any recommendations as far as books or, or resources online? Uh, the best book uh, was published by Cafe Gratitude. Um, it's called Sweet Gratitude. Um, and that should be readily available online. Um, that's what I recommend. People don't really ask me for recipes anymore, uh, but, but at the beginning, they did a lot. And so I just tell everyone to buy that, that book because they go way more in depth into a wide variety of different offerings that could inspire folks. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think there's a lot of different Instagram accounts that you could check out, but I, I haven't really kept up with that in recent years. I've been too busy making our own stuff. Yeah. As far as also, um, raw vegan cake recipes go, uh, the January 2021, like I mentioned, has a recipe of, of your uh, raw vegan cake. And also January 2022 issue has another um, raw vegan cake recipe in it. So go check those out as well if you're interested. Yes. Yes. So um, I really want to thank you, um, Tracy and Stephen, to, uh, for joining me and uh, discussing these interesting topics. Um, lots of good takeaways from me. I hope uh, the listeners also like this episode. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you again for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yanis. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea Wayfaring. I hope you have enjoyed it and I would love to hear your thoughts about this format. If you have any suggestions or comments, feel free to drop me a line at connect at globalteahut.org. If you like the podcast and wish to support our efforts of building a free tea center, then please consider subscribing to the magazine 
at globaltihad.org. Thank you. I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you.